0: It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth,
1: presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in, Stinkin' Truth Podcast, your host Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host Mike Evans, Scott the Huff, produced in the show. Good to have Scott the Huff back on the board in studio. Um, And I tell you what, uh, presented by the fine folks over at Sweet Sweat. Uh, I've been doing all the cord workouts, I've been doing all the stuff with Sweet Sweat, they've been keeping me uh, sane during these times with quarantine so you can check out sweet sweat who do a they do a phenomenal job with all the supplements and all the exercise gear that sweet sweat find out more at sweet sweat on twitter and on instagram or at Sweetsweat.com. mike how are you buddy i'm good i'm good uh, uh oh i forgot to mention that colin cowherd's gonna be calling the program here in a minute oh good any, any minute so colin's gonna come on and you know he's been one of those guys, Mike, that has really, I think, really kind of spurred, helped spur the public opinion on on the Broncos being a resurgent team, if you will. Well, yeah, and
2: I I know he's very high on the Broncos to the point where he thinks they might even be in a position to knock off the Chiefs. But I don't know. Before you you start talking about the Chiefs being dethroned. Who who is the second best team in the AFC West? Who's the third? Could the last place team in the AFC West have the very
1: unwanted distinction, but a distinction nonetheless of being the best last place team in football? Right. And I think, I I mean, I think here's the thing that's interesting. And I've been looking at this division and I, I, you know, you look at rosters, right? You start to look at continuity of system and you start to look at rosters and quarterbacks and all those different things. And you know, here's the interesting thing. Like, I could make a compelling argument that the Broncos. Obviously, I, I, obviously, my argument would be the Chiefs are are first in the division, right? They just won the Super Bowl. They're they're a talented football team. They have offensive continuity. They've got a, a unicorn at quarterback. They've got a great tight end. They've got one of the fastest receivers in football. They got their number two guy back in Watkins. Like. This offense, and to me, more importantly, or maybe maybe the most important, is they got two bookend tackles that can really play, in Fisher and in Schwartz. Right? May the Schwartz be with you. So, like those things are from an offensive continuity standpoint. There's no question in my mind. Number one in Kansas is Kansas City, but Mike, I'm telling you, I could make a compelling argument that the Raiders are number two, followed by the Chargers, followed by the Broncos, or. If you wanted to argue, I could make a compelling argument that the Chargers are number two, followed by the Broncos, followed by the Raiders. Or I could say, hey, I can make a compelling argument the Broncos are number two, followed by the Raiders, followed by – like, they are so close. Like, they are so – like, you could see all three teams, you know, like Kansas City winning this division and all three teams fighting for a wild card and the worst team in the division ending up 8-8. Like, could – couldn't you see that coming to fruition that easily way? easily easily well
2: hey speaking of the broncos uh join us now here on the podcast uh, an fos a friend mm-hmm. of yours from fox sports fs1 uh the one and on uh, one and only
1: colin Coward. Hey, Colin, man, I, I've got to tell you, like you have started this national trend, which is, you know, the Denver Broncos are a playoff bound team with a, a quarterback that was drafted in the second round that has the potential to be an MVP guy. I, you got to be pretty proud of yourself, I would think. But why is it? I mean, why is it that you feel so confident about what they've done and kind of the direction they're going in? Well,
0: it's funny because I just saw a stat last night on the Internet that the over-under that is being the most bet in the league is Denver the over. Um, We have a history in this league that there is always a team. Generally, I pick two teams every year to drop off. I've been pretty good on that one. And I, I usually pick two teams that I think are going to what I call double their win total. And I think Miami's the easiest double-their win total. I don't think Denver's going to double their win total, but I I do think they'll be substantially better. Number one, Vic Fangio's career tells you his defenses are always good, and they'll be better now with a healthy Bradley Chubb in year two. So that part we know. Uh, But secondarily, um, I think they kind of figured out this league is changing, and it's becoming more and more a weapons league. Uh, Perimeter players matter more. You can't touch them. And they have depth at running back, potential stars at wide receiver. I think the young tight end fans, very, very good player. And I think they have terrific weapons. Now, are they Kansas City weapons? Probably not yet, but I think they have the potential to be because I think Jerry Judy's unbelievable. So I just look at him and I think, if Drew Locke can pop, and if you look at Drew Locke's, numbers after his first year. They're better than Lamar's, Mahomes, and Wentz's first year. And all three of those players, two won the MVP year two. The uh, Wentz got hurt. It should have been three. So this idea that it's, that it's uh, you know, contrarian or a hot take to say, yet yeah, somebody's going to pop. And to me, there's only two quarterbacks I look at, Kyler Murray, and I don't know if they have the right coach, and I think they're still rebuilding their defense. And Denver, those are the two teams with the young quarterbacks that pop in year two. And, and and you know, it doesn't matter if it's broadcasting or quarterback play. There's a massive jump. Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, um, there's a, usually a massive jump year one to year two in the NFL for a quarterback. Uh, tight end, similarly, is a position that you get big jumps year one to year two. So outside of left tackle on offense, which I just, I think they overpaid and overdrafted for somebody there. I I like their offensive personnel a lot, and I think they have better personnel than the Raiders. Uh, I think they're more talented at quarterback right now than the Chargers. I think winning a Super Bowl in Kansas City, there's a natural pullback early in the year because everybody's told you how great you are. And Denver's always been historically a very good September team, especially at home September, early October. So I think they get off to a hot start, and I think they're pretty good. Let,
1: well, Go let, me, let me just ask you really quick, just from a continuity standpoint, how concerned are you and how much do you put into, hey, a bunch of young weapons, young weapons take time to develop it takes time to figure out what your identity is on offense you've got a new offensive coordinator you've been doing zoom meetings you haven't gotten your cleats in the grass you're not you know you're not even quite sure what you are like how much of a concern is that for you and i know everybody has to do it but i think the teams with continuity that have been doing it for a while under one system have a decided advantage in this situation how concerned are you with denver on that? Well,
0: they've got continuity defensively, and I think offensive football is going to be sloppy league-wide early. I think Brady will be sloppy early. So there's a, I think this is. I, I don't think anybody going to be finely tuned, maybe like a New Orleans with Peyton, Breeze, Thomas, but even they have Emmanuel Sanders. So if it's a sloppy, choppy September, who's going to win? Defenses. And I think Denver's defense will keep them in games, um, you know, continuities. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably an issue, but I think it's an issue for everybody. And I think, I mean, the Chargers have a new quarterback. The Raiders don't like their quarterback, you know. So, yes, Kansas City's an obstacle, but we have another playoff team this year. What is it, seven in the AFC and mm. NFC. Uh, so, I mean, I, I look at the division. I think Denver likes theirs. Will there be a continuity issue? As long as your defense is good, you, you give up 21 or less, you're in those games. And Denver didn't get a break in close games last year. And Vegas will tell you that is that is just bad luck you know the, the, there's this sense in the nfl well like last i think it was was it last year or the year before russell wilson won eight one possession games and people go ah and i love russell wilson wow ah, that's russell wilson it's not really over the course of a 10-year career you, you if you go a little bit above 500 like aaron Rodgers, even a little over 500 in one possession games that's the league average to win one possession games you often don't have the ball last in a one possession game So, you know, it's one of those things where Denver just had a series of close losses and bad breaks in close games. I don't think that's a habit. I don't think it's a trend. I think it is a bit of bad luck. And I think if they can turn two losses into two wins just on a little better luck, defense will be better. The continuity will be there. Everybody's going to be choppy on offense. And I, I just think they have really special skill people. I, I, really, I really like their young receivers, their tight end, their backs. I think it's a really special team. And we're becoming more of an offensive league. So, um, you know, you know the, the other thing about, you know, Mark, you were in this. The game is, a, to some degree, a little less complicated today. I mean, we grew up in huddles. Now it's a series of hand signals. It's the coaching in the NFL offensively. They've tried to simplify the game so you can play faster without huddles. It's almost a, a semi con, constant two minute drill. So I think, I th- and I also think the quarterbacks like drew lock that are coming into the NFL had a hundred thousand snaps by the time they were in ninth grade. So you get, you get quarterbacks who the learning curve is shorter, um, I I, I don't think it takes as long. I mean, I thought Lamar Jackson, who was a project, Josh Allen, who was a project, very early in their careers, I'm like, wow they're really good starters in the NFL. Lamar is an MVP-level starter. So I just don't think you have the learning curve. So the lack of continuity would have bothered me six years ago. It doesn't bother me as much now.
2: Visit with Colin Cowherd. Colin, uh, more on, on Locke and the idea that you think he can pop. This is a guy in a league in which we're seeing more and more teams feel, hey, not only do we need to get our quarterback, but we got to go get our quarterback in the first round, high up in the first round. Here's a guy who had a, a good but not spectacular career at Missouri. He. Was was drafted in the second round his own team the Broncos took their time in even giving him uh, a chance to practice last year and then he plays five games so I I know you mentioned the numbers but what is it for you for the eye test that that makes you think and you're not the only one that that makes you think this guy is ready to be something special well I don't hold him
0: against hold it against him he played and didn't win a ton at missouri missouri is a basketball school in a football conference uh missouri wins eight games you're like whoa that's great for missouri um you know it's an average program with a handful of nfl level players uh he's super athletic with a big arm uh basketball football very athletic big arm second round is It's no slap. I mean, second round. Remember, the average draft, guys, there's only about three teams that need a quarterback. Mark and I have talked about this. We have a saturation point. So if Tua works in Miami, Burrow works in Cincinnati, and and Herbert works in Chargers in L.A., and I think all three will, you're getting to a point next year where the Colts probably need a long-term starter, Chicago, New England, Jacksonville. I mean, we're reaching a saturation point, and with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields coming out in college next year, two of those are off the board. So the idea, the reality is in a draft, if a guy goes in the second round, it's not necessarily to me. Jimmy Garoppolo went second round. Drew Brees, I think, went late first or second round. What it tells me is it's often we, we very few teams next year are going into a draft, in next year's draft, that you're like, wow, they don't have a guy. I mean, it's 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 Jacksonville. Obviously, the Colts will move off Phillip Rivers eventually. I mean, Drew Brees, uh, Sean Payton already says I, I got Jamison and I got uh, Jameis Winston and I got Taysom Hill. Maybe not the guys I'd select as my future, but so I I, I don't think going in the second round worries me at all. In for you know, when when Aaron Rodgers dropped in the first round, it was such an indictment on Aaron Rodgers. But you see this all the time if a, if a team at 4-5 or five doesn't draft you, you may go 12 straight picks where nobody needs a quarterback. And, and we're getting to a point in the NFL, you could go 16 picks, 17, 18 picks in the first round, nobody needs a quarterback. So I, I don't think
1: second round is an indictment on, on Drew at all. Hey, let me ask you, you know, you've had this kind of uh, great love affair with the uh, fans of the Cleveland Browns huh, and uh, yeah. obviously Baker Mayfield. And um, I was looking at this Bleacher Report, uh, yeah. you know, the Bleacher Report. They had uh, the, they had Cleveland as the second best, just overall talent uh, yeah. with quarterback and and receivers. And you know, I don't I don't doubt with Landry and with Beckham and with you know and, and Chubb Jugo and and yeah and and Chubb and and Hunt and and they even got Austin Hooper out of Atlanta, which I, I really liked him as a player. I I guess the emotional maturity aspect of the cleveland browns is is why i didn't jump on that cleveland's going to the super bowl bandwagon last year what do you think about them this year and and and, like i i hear hugh jackson fighting again with baker mayfield like every time i hear something where somebody's got an issue with baker mayfield i'm like oh here we go again like the maturity of this franchise just isn't where it needs to be well
0: the first year we blame the coach hugh jackson Last year, the second year, we blamed the coach, Freddie Kitchens. The owner's not going to blame the coach for the third straight year. It's on Baker, and there's a reason. With all that talent, they have an eight and a half over/under at Fox Bet or Vegas. Why? Maturity. Nobody doubts their talent. So I've said this before. Baker made so many missteps. Medical staff. I think it was Duke Johnson. He called out. He had so many missteps. The downside to immaturity is when you struggle, people will bail on you sooner. If Sam Darnold struggles this year for the Jets, Adam Gase will be fired because Darnold's had no missteps. We think he's a good guy in a bad mm. organization. Questions now about is Baker a good guy, and whether or not Baker or Sam have you know a, a disparity in talent. I like Darnold more than Baker. Many disagree that the over/under on Cleveland. Their win total is not an indictment on Kevin Stefanski. It's an indictment on Baker's maturity. I mean, by the way, you can look at the talent of New Orleans and the talent of Cleveland. It's very similar. They're over under win totals 11. And I think a tougher division. Why? Because we know Breeze is an adult. He'll synthesize it. he'll, He'll corral it. He'll make it all work. Same with Seattle. Why is Seattle's win total higher? Because Russell Wilson's a grown-up, he'll make it all work. What Vegas is telling you on Cleveland is we don't doubt the we don't doubt the talent. We just don't think Baker can make it work. Now I think they're a playoff team this year. I just think they solved their two issues: coach and tackles. Mm-hmm. I think those are the two issues. They were really could have they had the worst tackle set in the league. That's not even debatable. And they probably had the worst coach. So I think it's if, if if both are a C to a C plus. They're a playoff team. I, I don't I don't buy Pittsburgh this year. I think Baltimore is going to win the Super Bowl, and I think Cleveland is a playoff team. Uh, you know who
1: my favorite adult is? You. Uh, and I oh, appreciate you so calling. Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, I look forward to the time when I can get on a plane and come see you. Uh, I, I hope that clears up and that opens up soon. But you're the best, buddy. Always uh, appreciate jumping on your show. Thanks for jumping on our program.
2: All right, guys. Good luck. All right, there he is, the uh, great Colin Cowherd, and we appreciate him joining us. And, and maturity, boy, that's that was interesting what he had to say about just how the maturity of your quarterback and what it can mean for an individual team. Like, I, I saw Phillip Rivers the other day say that he is, um, quote, aggravated, <laughs> that people yeah. think that he's done. Uh, I, I don't know about you. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a really nice resurgent year with the Colts. I think the Colts will benefit from his maturity. I know you don't always think about maturity with Philip Rivers with all the trash talking, but he will definitely bring maturity to the Colts.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't think I don't I, I'm 100% with you on. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think you know, it's interesting to me because I, I did I did some Charger game. I did a Charger game at the end of the season, right? And you know, you you look at you go back and you start looking at film. And one of the things I did is I went back and looked at all of like all of his interceptions, right, and there were there were several things that stood out to me. One is the Chargers had had all kinds of injury issues. Uh, wide receivers, um, they had the offensive line that was in a shambles, right. Uh, um Melvin Gordon didn't wasn't there the first eight weeks of the season, or whether with a holdout, like they had had quite a few issues in in that regard and it was really interesting because philip rivers is not he's not getting out of the way right and he's at a stage in his career where he wasn't gonna get hit in the lips either like he's just like i ain't doing that like nah and it was it was wild when i started looking at all the interceptions i put all his interceptions on, on film And just kind of looked at them because every one of them has, and Peyton Manning said this once, every one of them has a story, right? Every interception has a story, but ultimately you as the quarterback, you're the one who endorses the check. So, like, it it comes down to you, but every one of those things has a story. And, like, if you start looking at them all, Mike, some of them are, I'm not going to get hit. I'm not taking one in the lip. So, I'm going to throw it here, and I'm going to give my guy a chance, and if somebody breaks on the ball, so be it. And there were a bunch of interceptions where they're trailing, and he's just trying to make a play. you know he's throwing a 50-50 ball up and the defense uh, the defender comes away with it. Like there's a couple of those that I look at and go, hey man, if you're not down by 10 or 14, that, that pick never happens. You know what I mean? So there's there's some of that that goes on there, but I look at this situation with the Indianapolis Colts and I did a Indy, I did a Colts game. Man, you talk about Costanzo and Nelson and Ryan Kelly and um, uh, Gl- uh, Glowinski is, is I yep. think, their right yep. guard's name. Um, Smith has become a much better player. Like, their, def- their, their offensive line is outstanding. They are big time. Marlon Mack can really play. Jack Doyle and Trey Burton, the tight end position, T.Y. Hilton. They went out and drafted Pittman from uh, USC, I think, in the yep. second round. Like Jonathan Taylor, the running yeah. back out of Wisconsin. They are a talented group, but the biggest thing is, Phillip Rivers has got to, he's got to beat you from the pocket, and he has, he's got that ability, there's no question he has that in spades. He couldn't play from the pocket last year. Phillip Rivers is not going to outrun it. Phillip Rivers reminds me of Woody from Toy Story, when he runs. It's like, there's a snake in my boot! You know, I mean, like, he's not getting out of the way of anybody, so I think this is a perfect fit for Phillip Rivers, and I agree with him, man. Like, like, he is going to have this total resurgence, if you will.
2: Yeah, for all the talk about what Brady's going to do in Tampa, I, I really like uh, what what the Colts are shaping up as. Speaking of Brady, so I don't know if you heard this. Uh, former Patriot tight end, he bounced around a little bit, but he was with the, the Patriots for a while. Christian Fourier, now does talk radio in Boston, said that he believes the Patriots will be better off without Brady. Now, he, he didn't say that it's because he, he thinks, you know, Brady, you know, sucks now. What he said was is that Brady is all about now. Brady is all about trying to win now, and he's, he's more interested in throwing the ball away or, or just, you know, living to fight another day, and he is very adamant about who he'll trust when it comes to receivers. And Fourier's point is that the Patriots are at a point now where they have to look ahead more, and they have to develop more. And for that reason, they might be better offensively without Brady because the quarterbacks they go with, either Stidham or Hoyer, will be charged with the idea of, hey, you got some young talent like an Akeel Harry, make him into a star. Something that Brady maybe wasn't or wouldn't have the patience to see through
1: at this stage in his career you buy that yeah actually you know what I when I first saw the headline I was like oh come on Christian like that's uh, like clickbait right but no I mean I think that I think that makes a certain amount of sense I think that is actually um I think that is actually good you know Brady is one of those guys that's so intimidating he's so precise he wants everything done the way he wants it done and you know he's gonna go to Julian Annaman Edmund. Julian is one of I think four receivers in football, including one was a running back that had 100 catches. I think he he ended up right at 100. I think Michael Thomas led the league. I think Chris, I think uh, it was Michael Thomas, and I think it was uh, um, Christian McCaffrey, and then I think it was DeAndre Hopkins. I think I think the fourth was Julian Edelman. I may I may be wrong on that, but it's I'm I'm close. I know that I'm close. So um, I think that's I think it's interesting. You know, you're like, hey man, I'm not going to anybody. That that I don't trust, that I don't believe in, and that's not going to be exactly where I want him to be. So, um, that part of it is growing as a, as a franchise or, or developing some younger players it is probably there's probably some truth to that statement. Um, are they better off? No, <laughs> I mean it's Tom freaking Brady. Um, they're not better off like in the now to win right now, but are they better off in the future? as a football team offensively developing some of those young kids. I mean, maybe. Like maybe that's maybe that's the case. I mean, we don't know if Stidham is going to be the deal or not, but it certainly seems like he's going to get the opportunity, right? It it certainly seems like they like him enough to say, hey man, this is our next, you know, Tom Brady. Not saying he's going to win six Super Bowls, but this is going to be the the kid that we develop and is going to become a starter and we believe in him, right? I mean, how else do you read? How else do you read that, Mike? Well, I don't read it into them tanking.
2: I know that's a popular theory. Yeah. Well, they're just gonna drive this thing down to the ground, and they're gonna go with Jared Stidham to drive this thing into Trevor Lawrence territory. Here's what you don't understand: it, it, is that in order to get Trevor Lawrence, you're gonna have to go three and 13, 4 and twelve, right. and the Patriots. While well, I don't expect them to be a 10-11 win team, the fact is, is because of what they have defensively uh, along the O line just all the veterans and coaches that they have and that ingrained culture that they have there they, they could fall out of bed and win seven or eight games so the the notion they're going to win i don't think they could i don't think they could tank even if they tried right just because they're they're too used to winning
1: right the other thing is look at who's look like let's look at who's in their division uh Miami is still a work in progress and you know i mean myself and i think a lot of people really like Tua but come on, there's going to be a learning curve there as well. Like Kyler Murray early in the season, even though like Kyler Murray's got some onions, right? I mean, I remember sitting in a meeting with Kyler Murray before the first game of the season, and and I knew Kyler Murray was going to be okay because we were we were discussing like issues and things that he's got to work on and, and the transition and stuff, and and we were talking about the preseason. I was like, well, here's what I think. And and he just kind of looked at me and I, I was like, what? And he goes, well, I mean, you can tell me what you think. I don't really give a shit. That's, like, literally what he said to me. I was like, all right, you're going to be all right. Like, I like it. Like, I really don't care what you think, you know, because I care what my coaches think, and I, I care – I know I can play. And it was it, – that was a – like, that's a really cool thing about Kyler Murray to me Like you are really, you are like you got some, you got some sauce to you. And at the end of the day, like the second half of the season, Connor Murray was actually really good. That offense really. Now there was a change. They went got the uh, you know uh, Drake from Miami. They traded for him. Um, Obviously, their coach Cliff Kingsbury made a transition to being more balanced and running the ball more, which took some pressure off pass protection and all that stuff. So they made some transitions to help him along the way. But he's got some, he's got some sauce. He's got some onions about him. I think, I think so does, uh, you know, so does uh, uh, Tua. But, but there's a growth process there. And I look at that division, and I think you're 100 percent right. Come on, like all of a sudden, New England's gonna win two or three games because look at the division they play. In. Come on, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna beat the Jets at least once just because they're the Jets. And Miami, you're probably gonna beat in New England because. They're still trying to figure themselves out. And as anybody – I know Buffalo's defense is incredibly tough, but come on now, really? I mean, like I think the Buffalo Bills will win the division, but still that division to me is still a, a weak division. So there's no way they're going to win two or three games in New England. I'm 100% with you. They've got just too much pride, too much knowledge. And if you think Bill Belichick is, is playing to lose, like you don't know Bill Belichick. You just – like that's silly to me. All right. Well, Hey, that, that was, that was fun. Uh, always good to,
2: to hook up with a guy like Colin Coward. I love his, love his passion. Yeah. I love his preciseness. You know, he mm-hmm. spe- you know, speaks with such authority. So that was, that was good. So, uh, Bronco fans, I'm sure you, uh, loved hearing that.
1: Yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, all fans love hearing, uh, Colin Coward because, uh, you know, he is so good. And there's one thing about him, like he's well thought out. He always has these great analogies. Um, and sometimes he makes me think, like what makes him great is sometimes he makes me think, well, wait a minute, maybe I need to, to reevaluate my opinion because of some of the things, you know, that, that some of the knowledge that he spit out. And then other times I just think, oh, what an idiot. Yeah, And I move what on. Does know? You know? Yeah, right. What does he know? Yeah, what does he know? So, you know, there's 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 both sides of the story with Colin Cowherd. So, anyhow, I hope you enjoyed it. For everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, man, we appreciate you. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat, for all your workout needs and all your nutritional supplement needs. Check them out at sweetsweat.com. Mike, man, we'll be uh, back with you next week. All right, look forward to it.